Hey, welcome to the Lyric House Church podcast. Our mission is to host a house for him. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. for our live service. Make sure to check out our Facebook page for details about upcoming events and information on our small groups that meet throughout the week. Thank you for being part of our broader community, and we hope you enjoy this podcast. What a blessing. Our quiver is full. <laughs> yeah, so I just want to kind of talk on building. You know, Justin came to me the other day, and or yesterday, and we were talking about building a fire pit. And, I mean, there's a difference between a brick and a stone, okay? Not everybody knows this. A lot of times I encounter people that call stones bricks, okay? <laughs> Being in the industry that I'm in, you know? But the thing, and I got to thinking about this, and, and the thing about a brick is it can easily be replaced, Okay? So like any of these bricks in here, you could take one out and you could put one in similar size and put it right back in the spot. But any of the rocks in here, you take one of the rocks out, you've got to find a rock, you've got to shape the rock, you've got to chisel the rock to make it fit in that, in that hole. It's not as easy, right? So I was kind of relating that to how we are as humans. And Christianity. And it's almost as if like a brick is like a formula for humanism. Like everyone has to look the same. They have to do the same thing. They have to fit into this mold. You know what I mean? Does it make sense? What's that? Yeah, conformity. There you go. Yeah. And Jesus didn't conform to the religion of the day. He transformed through the renewing of a mindset. And it wasn't the mindset of thinking, I'm only like people who are like me. I mean, that's what the religious Pharisees were like, right? So how many of you know that the Bible calls you a living brick? Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say that, right? It says you're living stones. We're all unique. We're all a part of this stone wall that God is building, a part of his body, and we all fit in our own unique spot, our own unique position. You know, I can only fit in my section of the wall because that's how he's chiseled me and put me in that position. Does that make sense? It's the same with each and every one of us. It's First Peter four ten. If you're wanting to look that up, living stones. But what's it mean to be a living stone? What's it really mean? I mean, have you ever thought about that? I mean, essentially, every there's so many stone representations in the Bible. Altars were built out of stone. Now he's building an altar of living stones, of living people. And that's us. I mean, I've been in the stone business for over 25 years, and I've never seen one stone look the same as any other stone. 
They might have similar characteristics, but there's no two stones that are exactly alike. True. <laughs> Unless it, but that's not real stone. It's not living stone, right? That's man-made fake stone. And we don't do that around here. We don't do that, we don't do that stuff around here. <laughs> We're anti-fake stone around here. <laughs> We're living real stones. I mean, the word even says the rocks will cry out if we stop praising him. They're alive. They're, they're full of vibration. Everything is. He spoke everything into existence. Everything vibrates and resonates at a level. Yeah, I've never seen two stones that are identical. Even if I cut two stones to look the same, you know, there's still there's going to be differences. But that means God has cut you and perfectly designed you divinely in the place that you are at and in right now. Now I know this this is speaking to somebody in here, right? There's a lot of times we feel like we got to fit in. we got to be like somebody else. But he didn't create you like that. He created you to be you. And only you. To know him and to love him. And he's got you right where he wants you. And the gifts that he's placed inside of you, he's excited about revealing them to you so you can use them in the place that he has you in. Right here, right now, from every moment to moment to moment. It's not about waiting. It's about just being a son. Just be who he's called you to be, a son in right standing with your father. I know it sounds so simple because it is. The battle's in the mind. That's why there's so many scriptures on renewing the mind to the simplicity of the gospel. As a son, a joint heir with Christ in oneness with the Father through the sacrifice of his son that you co-died with and then you were co-raised to new life together in oneness. First uh, Peter four ten. Four ten? Four or not four ten, four through ten. Sorry. First Peter two four. Then what's first Peter four through ten? It's got to talk about living stones as well. Four through ten, yeah. First Peter four through ten. So verse four through ten. Chapter two. Yes. Okay. Okay. Got it. Hey. I think that that's how he might have accidentally said it. See, that's just part of my stone, though. That's, that's, I've got a dyslexia chip on my sh shoulder. Uh, there's not a chip. I'm just teasing. I'm just joking. No, it's, a, it's actually how he perfectly made me. For real. Dys dyslexia to me is a blessing. It is. It's a true blessing. And I try to convey that to my kids as well because they're so blessed at all f 
six of them got dyslexia or have it. They were born with it. Poor Tiffany just is the only one that doesn't have it. But truly, it has been one of the greatest blessings that has ever come into my life. And the world will tell you that it's not. The school system might tell you that it's not. And they might look down upon it, you know. But that's a lie. It's a lie from the enemy. Truly blessed to be dyslexic. It has taken me so much farther in my life than anything else. Be because... Praise God. It's about time. Come on. What's crazy, though, is people would be afraid to answer that. They'd be like, uh, no, no, not, you know. Hmm. Wow. I tell you, it's one of the greatest blessings because it's so easy for me to believe and to have faith. It truly is. And I'm not saying that to boast about myself, but being dyslexic has allowed me to step out in faith in greater ways than, mo than I see most people because they're timid and they're scared but I'm able to trust so much easier. So if you're dyslexic, I hope that encourages you. <laughs> yeah, it does. Just begin to trust and believe and step out in it and watch him do the work. I have a 10th grade education, guys. I dropped out of school in the 10th grade. I don't have an education. But through Christ, I'm able to do all things. Through trusting in him, I can do all things. He has made, he's paved the way for us. For me to provide for my family. To raise six kids. The world says you got to graduate and go to college and do all this stuff. Well, my God said I didn't have to. He said, I just want you to be you and just trust me and have faith in me. And I show up and I do the things. And you just rest and watch me do them. You keep dreaming and keep resting and watch me do them. I hope that's encouraging to somebody. <sighs> well, we can move on. I like your shirt. Thanks. I like yours, too. Thanks. I like your boots. Thanks. I just dug them out, you know. I had to shake them, make sure there was no spiders in them. <laughs> yeah. Can I move past this? Yeah. Go for it. I didn't read half the notes anyway. Right. <sighs> That's the difference between us. I do read my notes. All right. How is everybody? I'm great. Everybody seems really chill this morning. Lisa's cozy in her little blankie. Your hips hurt? Does it feel cool in here? Like Does cold? <laughs> You're cold, like freezing? I, I'm usually the one that's cold, and I feel like it feels good. Of course, I'm standing and... We get in here, and we're running around yeah. setting chairs up in the morning, and it feels hot. Okay, if I start sweating, though... Oh, I light. It's glistening. Yeah. Well, yeah, okay. some, somebody's got it to 65. It's probably the girl working behind the bar when she was making coffee. Dylan's good. <laughs> He's like, what's the problem? What's that? I think it just does. 
Okay, guys. Um, so we are going to talk about a good chunk of Acts 6 today. We're going to um, go through the, the first half of that. Uh, who remembers where we left off on Acts 5? Say it loud. Yep. We had talked about Gamaliel and the Sanhedrin and how um, what the, the persecution that the apostles had went through and what they overcome. What else? Anything else? Remember, because Ananias and Sapphira were, were the first chapter. Can you guys believe like that feels like it was a long time ago? And now we're moving on into um, Acts 6, and we're going to be talking about some division in the church. But first, I have to tell you guys this. Um, I was driving, I was driving to somewhere, I don't remember where I was going, and um, I was just thinking about studying out the book of Acts and how much, um, like, I, I've really just learned so much studying this out to teach this. And, like, I know Acts, I know the book of Acts, like, I felt like I knew it really well. And I was just saying to the Lord, like, God, there's just so much more to you. And it was just kind of like, and I know that, we all know that, and I was just kind of talking to him. And I just heard him say, you're amazed by what you see, yet when you don't see, what I have concealed is even greater. And I don't, I mean, it wasn't that like, um, I put the grammar and stuff in there. It was much more kind of like jumbled in my head whenever I heard him say it. But he's just wanting, like the more that we press in, the more as a body, as, a, as, as you singly, as, as a family, the more you press in, your, our minds are just going to be blown by what we see. And then it reminded me of one of my very favorite scriptures, which is Proverbs 25, 2. It's the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of kings is unsearchable. And that was actually a proverb from Solomon, but actually Hezekiah is the one that added it in. And so we know Solomon was the what, what kind of, what was, what was, what do we know about Solomon as a king? He was wise. He was the wisest because he asked for that. And so what he's telling us is if the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out, guys. And so we're asked, the Bible tells us to ask for wisdom, to press in, to seek. If you want the deep things of God, they're right there. But you've got to do the work and pressing in with it. Seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness, and then all these other things will be added unto you. Yeah. Anyway, that just... I don't know. It kind of wrecked me for a while, and then Lisa calls me, and she's like, bo, 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 bo. are you good? I was like, just been with the Lord. She's like, okay, anyway. <laughs> well, I don't even know why I answered the phone. I probably thought it was important. Oh, before that, yeah. She was calling you back. I was trying to work, and then the Lord was like, stop working and driving at the same time. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, just beautiful little moments like that. Um, all right. So Acts 6-1. So I'm going to just kind of bounce around. I'm going to share a lot of scripture today. Oh, no. This isn't charged. Story of my life. Um, all right. Everybody there? Acts 6-1. Now in the days when the disciples were in increasing in number, a complaint. Do you like complaints? No. You don't tend to be the one that hears them. It's usually me that hears them. What happens when you complain? 
But if you've ever heard that before, raise your hand. Okay. If you complain, so when you, you complain, remain. you remain. <laughs> but when you proclaim, you gain. He's like, write that down. Okay. Tag me in it. <laughs> uh, that's the truth. That's what the word says. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years complaining. So they remained walking around the same base of the same mountain for 40 years. <laughs> it's, it's Jason's like little tagline. Yeah, it's one of my remain. favorites. Yep. I haven't said it for a while. That's why only half the people in here heard it. <laughs> What'd you say? It has been preached in other countries. Yeah. Yep. Just, that, just keeps if growing. you grab a hold of that nugget, it'll set you free in a lot of things. Stop complaining and you'll stop remaining. It's the truth. So here we are. The remaining. The truth will set you free. A <laughs> complaint by the Hellenist <laughs> arose against the Hebrews because their widows are being neglected in the daily distribution. Okay, so what we have is we see that the, the church is growing. It's very successful. It's spreading like wildfire. And all of a sudden, the apostles hear this complaint. And the Hellenistic Jews come up and they're like, hey, you guys, we have this issue with you. Um, our, our widows are not being taken care of like your Hebrew widows are. What gives? So I, like, I, I mean, I knew what Hellenist was and what that meant, but I started to kind of just do this deep dive on it. I just, I'm just curious. This is, these kind of little details about scripture are things that we gloss over very quickly because we're like, why, who, what's a Hellenist? Don't really care. Keep moving on. How many of you guys, and it's okay if you don't, but how many of you guys know what a Hellenist is? Just raise your hand. Okay, exactly. So it's just one of those things that we're like, why do we need to know? But this is actually pretty crucial, especially in this, this part of the chapter. So we have the Hellenistic Jews and we have the Hebrew Jews. So let me take you back to um, just kind of some history of where they came from. So, I, gosh, I wish I would have wrote down what year it was. But we had, um, after the, there was no more prophets, and we kind of have this, these many, many years, these hundreds of years of not seeing any signs and wonders. We're, we're not seeing any movement. Like, most generations have forgotten what signs and wonders look like in this move of God that had happened with the Israelites. And so now we've moved into this place, and we see that there's people kind of moving all around the Roman Empire to this area, but they speak Greek. They don't speak Aramaic or Hebrew, which is how they study scripture. They speak a different language, and they have different traditions, different cultures. They have Greek gods and, and different beliefs that they have. But they, come, they came and kind of transplanted to this area, but they had been here for hundreds of, hundreds of years, and so it wasn't... Um, it wasn't really a new thing, but they still had different traditions and cultures. And um, the Hellenists were a little bit more liberal in their thoughts, their beliefs. They didn't have these core values like the Hebrews did. The Hebrews were kind of more of a conservative. Um, their, it was their history. It was Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were their descendants. And so they felt like this was their land. Make sense? Right. Now, we can, all, we can have other people. We can bring other people in, but they um, kind of started to raise this, I don't know if it was jealousy, it was just this kind of maybe protection over what they had. And so what happened is actually the king at that time came in and he ruled it that it hel you all had to be Hellenist, that he, they called it Hellenism, and they ruled that, you, that the, the Hebrew Jews had to start speaking Greek. They had to understand Greek and speak it. And so they, did, they didn't have a choice, but then they actually started to revolt because they had put um, 
idols in the temple, and they desecrated the temple. Um, so they revolted, and then it was just declared that, okay, that this, this, is, a, this is very, very basic, guys. This, this isn't a law. They kind of won the revolt, and then they, um, but then it was kind of too late. They are already very much integrated in the culture. Does that make sense? I know that's very basic, that there's so much more to it, um, but that's kind of where we're at. Now we're talking again, now hundreds, like we're talking years and years later, but there's still this kind of like distance between the two groups. There's still this um, friction, division, and although they're, now they're saying we're both Christians, so understand, they're not Gentiles, they're Christians, they're Hellenistic and Hebrew Christians, but they're both just kind of, I, I kind of like, not really like, I wouldn't say like um, Democrats versus Republicans, I would say more like Baptist versus like AG or Assembly of God, like two different cultures coming together that very firmly believe they're right, but like still like, well, we're brothers and sisters, but still just kind of this off feeling, right? And so then what starts to happen is this division starts to happen and the enemy just cannot handle something growing and, and working for the church. And so he puts this little, plants this little seed of, well, they're not taking care of our widows like they are the Hebrew. So what gives? Like, why are you guys playing favorites? Okay, so um, let's see what else, what else, what else, what else about that? Oh, another thing that might be, that might make this a little bit clearer is the Greeks read from the Septuagint, the Septuagint, 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 I think it's Septuagint, I don't know. I don't speak their language, um, which was translated at, from the Torah. You guys have all heard these words, right? So the Torah or the Pentateuch was what the Hebrew, that, that the Hebrew church they read from, which was the Old Testament because they didn't have the New Testament. They're writing the New Testament. And that's, where, like, that's what they studied. That was their word. That's what they read from. And then the Greek, which was translated from that. But understand that the words did, like, we, you can definitely look and see the difference between the translations, that the words did change. And so now there's, but because that's the language that they speak, they study out from the different scriptures. Does that make sense? They're the same one, but translated. Make sense? So if you ever wondered, what is this Septuagint? And what is the Torah and the Pentateuch? The Torah and the Pentateuch are the same. What? What, if you guys ever hear those words, that's what it's for. That's for, okay? Does that, like, kind of bring it all together? Is that a good picture? Or are you guys just even more confused? I, yeah. But then I can't talk and, like, write at the same time. I, it's a thing. I, I do, right? My lovely assistant. Uh, you don't want me to write. No, I don't, <laughs> actually. Anyway, if you could ask me later, and I'll try to make it clear. Um, okay, so here we are. Um, why does it matter that the church isn't taking care of these widows, these Hellenist widows? Have this, uh, I want you guys to see just this, how radical it was to become a Christian in this time. The temple was designed to take care of the widows and the orphans. But if you became a Christian, now it's the church's job. So that was why it was so important that that the church, and we see early in earlier chapters that they're trying to get everything figured out. They're trying to kind of scramble. They didn't, nobody was prepared for this. They didn't, they, it didn't, it wasn't like they were a group of people that were like, you know what we should do? We should start a church. It was like, no, this is what's happening. You're all spirit filled now. Like go, go figure it all out together. And so they were trying to get things in order. I don't think that they probably did this 
like maliciously, they were just like, oh, we didn't even know that your widows didn't have, we didn't know, we had no idea that your widows didn't have the same amount. But if the temple doesn't take care of the widows, the church is required to take care of the widows. That's where we're still called to take care of the widows and orphans. But I wrote down here that the Hebrews were right in their hearts and the Hellenists were right in their facts. So neither one of them were wrong. But understand that that's exactly what the enemy does. He'll use unintentional wrongs to cause conflict. Does that sound familiar to anybody? Husbands and wives, does that sound familiar? Yeah. Uh, always, <laughs> always. It's always something that he thought that, like, he just didn't realize I wanted that to happen. But as a woman, I'm like, you should just know. You should have just knew. But it, it's the same thing. Like, it's this unintentional wrong that they're feeling this sort of way. They're feeling hurt, and they're feeling like it's not fair. But in reality, that it was just unintentional. But, unfortunately, this is the perfect conditions for a church split. And I don't know, like, I've, I can't say that I've actually like, been part of a church split, but I could see that this is probably what happens in it, that somebody gets offended and brings a bunch of people in a fence with them, and then they, they come and they complain about what they're not getting or seeing or doing or what they believe, and then it causes this huge division. And so it's from the beginning of time that we're seeing that the church is, it's, it's like no, the enemy has no new tricks. He'll use the same trick over and over and over again, and we fall for it. Yeah. Okay. Um, moving right along. All right, so what do I have here? Where are we at? Thank you. You know, and it's so funny how we think that he would be so much more creative. The enemy would be so much more creative, but he doesn't create, so he doesn't get to do that. But how important that, like, just looking into this, like, is, just in how important that... Um, that we're seeing how important people are because God built the church. It's for him, it's unto him, but it's people that gather. It's people that come together. And even in our own body, we've had, we've, we've had people that we disagreed and we had to come to a conclusion. Like it's going to happen. It's, it's natural. It's part of what we do. We all just like, if, if we're all different stones, we have to figure out how to fit together. And that's what they're doing. That's kind of what they're creating in this, in this, um, in this scene here in the Bible. And what it brought me to was just the greatest commandment. You guys remember? What's the greatest commandment? Yep. Yep. Yep, exactly. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That one's hard. Who's your closest neighbor? Oh, you do love me well. But he also means the stranger on the street. He also means the Hellenist and the Hebrew. He means the liberal that posts on Facebook that's super annoying. <laughs> he me I mean, like you guys all know this. We all know this. But are we walking in this? Are we loving people as ourselves, Or are we complaining about them? And I'm guilty. Like, God's checking my heart on it. Like, what does it mean to love someone else? Someone, your neighbor, those close to you, the people that we know to love them as ourselves because I I'm I highly esteem myself. I buy myself things and I make sure that I'm how I'm properly fed and bathed and I have enough sleep and if I want something I make sure I get it. Like 
I take pretty good care of myself. Am I doing that for others? And I remember, like, because church is just kind of this new venture, just talk anytime, babe. Don't wait for me to stop because uh, it's not going to happen. Ahead, go ahead. Um, I was just having this moment with the Lord, and really not that long ago. And I was like, oh, God. I was complaining, and I was remaining. And I was like, God, people are so hard. Ugh, people are so hard. Anybody else said that lately? Yeah. People are so hard. And God was like, he just, what'd you say? <laughs> he, this morning. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I was just kind of complaining to the Lord and talking to him. And he was like, he just kind of gave me this heart for humanity. And, uh, and just kind of had me thinking about you know, like all that he's done for man, how he gave his son for man, we know that. But then how he, com he created a house for man, for us to create and come together and love him well. And such a gift, the church is such a gift. And he said, um, the very people that are hard is who, we s who I sent you for. And so, and that's for everybody. The very people that are hard is who he sent us for. And so the non-believer, the ones that want to stand up against us, which I'm not saying like that, there's not like some huge crowd against us. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying like if somebody is against you, that's who you're sent here for. So what does that look like? If God is for you, yep. who can be against you? And that's for even those that we may not like. Yeah. Yep. I think a good key to that or I don't think I do, is thanksgiving. There's always a way to be thankful in any situation or circumstance. And I don't care if you have to bring it all the way back to Christ being crucified. There's always something to be thankful for. It's so funny how... Because if it wasn't for him doing what he's done, you wouldn't be here experiencing what you're experiencing. Jace was working yesterday. He went hunting. He got up at 3 a.m. and he was hunting, and then he went for duck. He's a duck hunter now. And he went, I just, whatever. He got his first mallard. He got one duck, like six hours, and got a duck. It was, Boy, yeah. was he proud of it, too. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so he got this duck, and then he went to go work for somebody, and he was kind of, like, showing me a video of all he had to do, and he was complaining about it. And he was, and he had his little friend with him. Where's our son? That's what I was wondering. Okay. And um, he, him and his little friend were like, we're doing all this work just to buy our girlfriend's Christmas presents. And I laughed and I was like, yeah, hey, babe, why do you work? <laughs> and what'd you say? <laughs> to provide for my family. And, <laughs> and I was like, it's never going to change, buddy. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. That's kind of random. But that was just funny. That was funny, though. And he was just like, okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, ready to move on to Acts 2. That's, I was kind of in that general vicinity. I'm jumping around. 6-2. Yep. 6-2. And the 12 summoned the full numbers of the disciples and said, it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brethren. Hold on. I couldn't go past that. If he's saying, therefore, brothers, let's figure out what he's talking about. So when the, I looked that up, that actually he's saying, therefore, believers, because this is going to make a difference, guys. He's not just talking to the dudes. He's saying, believers, body, Christians, church, pick out from among you. And what he's 
also saying there is he's saying um, with awe. So basically he's meaning pick out from among you and reverence to Christ. So let be in the presence of God. Ask him before you pick these people out. Okay. So he's saying believers, ask the Lord, seven men of good reputation, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we appoint to this duty, but we will give ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Oh, oh, better go back to seven men of good reputation. Hmm. So that would make you think then it would only be men that could be deacons, because that's what we're talking about, right? Are you guys scared? It's like a trick question. If you read it out of context, yes. Yes, but that's what it says in English. It says choose seven men of good reputation. Deal closed. Shut your Bible. That's 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 what it is. However, we have this habit around here to just not believe what we hear and what we've grown up hearing, and we actually study the scripture. And so when I look that word seven men or men of good reputation up, it's the word. Um, hold on, I wrote it down because I knew I wouldn't remember. Why is it not in those notes? I wonder if those didn't transfer over. Or maybe said it somewhere else. Periclesia. That's, that's not it, <laughs> but good try. Uh, it's like nayer. It's like N-A-R-A-R -A -R or something like that. Um, it must be down here further in my notes. Um, but what he's saying is he's saying um, humanity. He's saying choose seven people of good reputation is what that word actually means. And when I get down further in my notes and I can remember how to actually say it, then I'll share that with you. Okay, so now we have the, now I'm sweating, see? Oh, okay, glistening. Um, so he's saying, choose seven people from among you, um, full of the spirit and wisdom who we will appoint to this duty, but we will give ourselves to prayer and ministry of the word. Okay. Um, so what the disciples are doing is they're now going to delegate this responsibility to um, the Hellenists. So he's saying, okay, church, come up, like come together and we have this problem. So we're going, I want you guys now to choose people of good reputation. I want you to choose these people of wisdom that have the Holy Spirit and we're going to put them into place. We're going to fix this issue. And so everybody, you guys nominate somebody and you let us know. Okay. And what they're saying is because what you have to understand is they assume that the apostles should do it. They were like, you guys, Hey, you're not doing a good enough job. You need to fix this. <laughs> Does that sound familiar? A little bit. So they're saying, hey, we can't, we are dedicated to prayer and to the word. And so how about the church helps to fix this? Brilliant. So let's talk about what it looks like that nobody in the church is meant to do everything. And God had a plan for this and he set this up. So we're going to skip over to 1 Corinthians. Will you read that? Sure. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unprecedentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which are more 
present presentable parts, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Okay, so what he's doing here is in 1 Corinthians. He's describing what the body looks like. Now this is obviously, like this is later in, in Scripture. We're seeing this. But what we're what the passage is trying to make clear here, and you guys know this, that we have to have all of the body, that one isn't greater than, than the other, that our apostle isn't greater than the than who runs the coffee bar. And I know that we teach this, we talk about this, and we're going to continue to do it so that we get that religious mindset out of our hearts that our pastor or the people that are leading are above us. It's simply not the case. And we have to understand that we're not putting people above us on a pedestal. Are they, is there requirements of those that lead? Absolutely, yeah. We should be set to a higher standard if we're teaching, if we're leading, and we honor that, but we're not gonna put them above. We're not gonna put anybody above. We're not gonna say that because now we have asked these people to do, um, to, to serve in this role that now they're less important. And we're gonna talk about some of the men who they chose and their qualifications and how um, what, the, what the Lord thought of them. Okay, so everybody's super clear on that. We know that, right? But here's, I just really, really want to make sure that it's clear, too, that yes, the apostles should not have been making themselves busy with, with ser like servant, I don't want to say work because that sounds awful, but um, not busying themselves with administrative tasks, but there's something wrong with an apostle, a pastor, or a leader that won't serve. There's something wrong with one that says, I don't, like, I, I'm just, I'm above that. Like, don't you know who I am? Um, one that, there's something wrong with one that's driving, uh, you know, a $100,000, $300,000 car, but they're not giving back to the church. They're not pouring into people that are in need. Okay, does that make sense? I'm not thinking of anyone in particular, so don't go there. Just saying that if Jesus washed feet, so can I. And so can you. And it's not about being beneath anybody. It's not, it's not, it's serving unto the Lord. Nobody here is serving Jason and Tiffany. Nobody is on the children's team is serving Roberta and Jade. We're serving the Lord. Right, guys? Right. Okay. Okay. Here's something I thought was really cool. So he said, um, so the, the disciples responded, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Somebody tell me what, what that means. Like, to serve tables. What does to serve tables mean? Wait on people. Wait on people. Yeah. And so in my mind, I've always just assumed that that meant um, prepare their meals, to clean up after them, sweep the floor, you know, like be a mom. And that's actually not what they're meaning right here in this, this part of scripture. So the word table is the word trapeza, and it does mean a place to eat, but it was also a place 
that somebody came to um, count money and to give money out, which is why when Jesus was in the temple, he flipped the table, table because it was a place of um, money and finances that they were giving out at the table. Does that make sense? And so what they're saying is we can't do all the, uh, all the administration today, okay? So we obviously didn't do a very good job making sure everybody got their fair amount. We get that. We see it. We recognize it. So we need to raise up some people that will, okay? So, we, so essentially, the word deacon is servant. And it actually doesn't even use the word deacon in this scripture. We assume that that's what they're meaning because then it goes to talk about deacon later. And I'll talk about what that looks like. But what they're actually saying is not actually cleaning tables at all. They're talking about the financial, the administration, the distribution of money and pro, um, like provisions at this point. Um, also, they're making it, they're also saying here that ministry was consuming, that it was, it was consuming their lives. It was consuming their time. And I don't think that as a whole, we realize that. I think that we all like get saved and we're like I want to work for the ministry I want to do the work of ministry and yes do that absolutely do that but understand that it's consuming and and also understand that ministry is everywhere you go absolutely yeah it's just not being behind the pulpit ministry is out there I'd say if it's done correctly it is now your life and that doesn't have to be a bad thing. You know, that doesn't have to mean I can't breathe because I'm so busy. It means, like, this is now who you are, that I walk and talk and breathe Jesus, that you're going to know. minister of the gospel, yeah. 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 You're going to know him, not because of the shirt that I'm wearing, but because I can't stop talking about him. Right. I wrote this quote, and it says, A young man said to a pastor, I'd give the world to be able to teach the Bible like you. And looking him straight in the eye, the pastor replied, Good, because that's exactly what it will cost you. And I thought that was really, really interesting, um, that take on it. Because we have an option when we say yes to the ministry. We can, we can say, yes, I, I, want to, I want to work in the ministry. I want to be an apostle. I want to um, be used by God. But then still hold on to our thought of what it was. And then we're going to find our place, ourselves in this place of being burned out and bitter and jealous. Jealousy is very, very rampant in the church. Like, it's absolutely nuts. I never, like, I had no idea how bad it was until we got to see it, like, firsthand, how rampant it is for jealousy. And that's here. We're even seeing it with the Hellenists and the Hebrews. It was a jealousy of, hey, yours are getting more than ours. It's like a kid that he's like, you got a bigger one, you know? I mean, I mean, I realize it's people's lives, but it's the same thing. It's jealous of what other people have, and you think that you deserve it. Um, I was reading something the other day that one in ten pastors have thought of or have contemplated suicide. Isn't that crazy? One in ten. And that I think it was something like 75% of them said that their greatest, um, what was it? Like their, the biggest thing that they were lacking as a pastor was friends. And I was just like, I mean, yeah, I could see that. It's hard sometimes. But it floored me that one that has dedicated their life to the Lord would say, I don't want to live like this anymore. Like, it, it hurts me. Like, it, it hurts. Like, it's, and I don't want to be like, well, they just don't have a right mindset. But I kind of do have to say it's not a right mindset. 
When we decide that we can't do something anymore, we want to die because of the, uh, like the feeling of um, appraising man, that we're consumed with pleasing people and we're consumed with, with making sure other people are happy and, and that we've done a good job, then we've lost the whole mindset of this is unto the Lord. This is no longer ministry of prayer and, and word. This is now ministry of man. And that's not what he's ever called us to do. But I would think that the apostles had this correct mindset, which is why they easily said, okay, let's, let's, let's set this leadership role. Let's, set the, let's design this plan. And I would think that they would, make, they would say abundantly it was worth it. And I see that because they, what they say is we are committing ourselves to first what? Prayer and then the word. So even Jesus set himself first in prayer, and then he would share the gospel or he would study the word. Even If Jesus understood this, then what more do we have to understand? And the apostles understood that it was first prayer, first, first time with the Lord, First, the first things first is, is Jesus. It's okay, babe. <laughs> it wasn't even the dog, it was her. <laughs> All right, where are we at? Where are you at? First things first. Tell us about it. You just did. I usually do. <laughs> So many of us go into prayer and never actually touch God because we did everything but adore him. Many people's spiritual senses are numbed in the closet by all the pressure they put on themselves to be there and accomplish something. Our itch to accomplish something stems from our desire for something other than just him. Mm. I think that's something that we'll preach about every every Sunday. I think it's something that we'll stress every chance that we get that ministry, the church, yeah, serving people, leadership. I know it doesn't sound very manly to adore <laughs> him, but I feel like it's, it's actually very manly. it's actually more manly than you can even uh, imagine. It takes a bigger man to just stand up and say, I adore the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 good
Right. And also understanding that your leaders are just people too, <laughs> you know, like that everyone has bad days and everybody is, it was funny what Cody said the other day when he told his, um, or last Sunday when he told his daughter, I've never had a 13 year old before, you know, like, oh, I've never led this before. And so I think that having grace and um, patience with our leaders is is so important because it could be you one day. I also s seen something too recently. It's kind of going through on Facebook that said um, something like give your parents a, like some grace because it was their first time too or something. I'm like, amen. Can we just talk about that? How poor Jade got really the worst part of our parenting. And I think we've, no, we don't figure, we haven't figured it out yet. But um, it's, it is really a lot easier to parent adult children than it is toddlers, just saying. Um, but it's true. Right, yeah. Yep. Yep. It's I mean, we were 16 when we had Jalen. Like, we like barely were driving. But I remember when I got my license, she was like, um, I drove myself there without a license in his truck and if his parents knew, he they would have killed us. And she was like, what's your weight? You know, that awful question. And I was like, um, normally it's this, I'm not gonna tell you guys. Normally it's this, but I'm, I'm kind of pregnant. So it's this. And she was like, oh honey, you're never kind of pregnant. And I was like, hmm, what that means. <laughs> Absolutely know what that means. Anyway, um, yeah, yeah, you either are or you're not. I was 16. I didn't even know what it, half the things I was saying. I don't know. It was just never forget that. Okay, so um, the character, um, the character of the men is what we're looking for, and so they're asking the church to find character um, and these qualifications of men. But look at what they say. They're not saying the richest the most, the most good-looking, the ones that can speak in front of a crowd, like is what we in our Western world, that's what we look for. Like we, when we're looking for a good leader, someone that will stand up and present us, we look for, which is why commercials, they hire models, they hire actresses. Um, companies will hire actresses to promote their, their product. And that's not what they're saying here. They're like, I don't, I don't, we don't care about anything on the outside appearance. We want to know what their character is. We want to see that internal quality 
of who you choose. They're looking for people spiritually and practically minded. And believe it or not, guys, that's hard. Like, that's hard to find somebody that, that wants to be in leadership but only wants it for his glory and doesn't need to be seen because we have this desire to, to want to be known and recognized for what we do. We just do. And I'm not, it's not even like, I'm not trying to say we're self-centered. It's just this, think of a little kid, you know, like trust will all of a sudden she's doing cartwheels. Everybody in the room has to see, you know, she's like, watch me, watch me, watch me, mom, 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 watch me. And like, watching you do a cartwheel. Yay. Good job, babe. Dad, did you see me? Like everybody has to see her do a cartwheel. Could be because she's the baby. But it's really all kids, toddlers, mommy, watch me. You guys know, you see it, we all see it. We have this desire to need to be seen, to want to be wanted, to, <laughs> to, to be recognized. And what the Lord is saying is, I'm looking for someone that isn't here, or what the apostles are saying. Okay, so the people nominated, the apostles approved, and then set them in place. And so what we see here is we see them setting in place deacons in the church which is also the diakonos, 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 means servant of a king. I know, I just, just say yeah. Yeah, yeah. thanks. Diakonos. Diakonos. Does anybody else know how to say that? Deaconos. What? Deaconos. Deacon, right. English, deacon. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it simply just means servant. It's not... Um, somebody, you know, super, super highly qualified and um, that everybody knows and um, like the, the name, the label of deacon was servant. And they would have known that. Like we think of, oh, a deacon, you must be high up in the church. Like, no, they were known as servants of the church, which would seem very lowly at the time. Um, and then in First Timothy, it goes into more detail about what a deacon is. Do you guys want to go there? Let's go there. Okay, let's go there. Okay, 1 Timothy 3.8. Go ahead, babe. Deacons, likewise, must be dignified, not double-tongued, not addicted to much wine, not, greeted, not greedy for dishonest gain. They must hold the mystery of faith with a clear conscience. And let them also be tested first. Then let them serve as deacons, if they prove themselves blameless. Go ahead. And the woman, also who served the church, should be dignified, faithful in all things, having their thoughts set on truth, and not known as those who gossip. A deacon's heart must be toward his wife's, toward his wife alone, or husband leading his children and household with excellence. For those who serve in this way will obtain an honorable reputation for themselves and a greater right to speak boldly in the faith that comes from Jesus Christ. Okay, so just so that you guys don't think that we're just making it up, so we see that in 1 Timothy, what he's doing here is he's, he's explaining now in further detail what a deacon is, what it looks like, what he's walking in. And then it also talks about how if, when, if a woman who was served to be, it was, she was serving in the church. You know, I just think it's kind of funny, a little maybe not offended because I can't carry across an offense at the same time. But why did he just say women can't be gossipers? I mean, I just feel like 
segregation there. I'm not sure. It's fine. Um, Do men gossip? Yes. Okay. They just, yeah. oh, yeah. But they're men, and so they're just like, dude, did you see him? That's true. That's true. Girls would be on the phone for three hours gossiping. Okay, so I didn't gossip enough before, but did you see her and her and her and that and this? Guys would just be like, yeah, I saw him. I heard that, and then move on. You guys don't get, you guys, yeah, did you, what was up with him? Okay, it says don't be, the, don't be like that, guys. Okay, yes, sir. Right. What did her face look like? Yeah, right. What was her body posture? Did she laugh afterwards? Yeah. Which is why women are probably very good about like making a comment, like texting something and then saying, LOL. Like, just so you know, are joking, right? And men don't, I don't feel like men do that. Thick skin. <laughs> Thick skin, yeah. Calloused. <laughs> so um, just to kind of drive home another point about how women can be deacons, does anybody know of a, a woman deacon in Scripture? Phoebe, thank you. They actually, she's named as a deaconess. So everybody clear on that? Yep. Good. So glad. All right. Um, and 6 says, and they prayed and they laid hands on them. So what's really, really cool about laying hands is I kind of feel like that was something newer to us when we, really, when we fell in love with the Lord. We didn't act, we didn't, I don't feel like we ever really saw people lay hands. After baptisms, we did. After baptisms. That's when it took place. Yeah. Um, and I think more churches are kind of starting to be more biblical in this manner, and they're starting to do it. But it, they're, for so long, like, we didn't see it. And so now, how many of you guys have ever been out... Uh, like maybe out in public and you're at Walmart and somebody, you know, the Lord just told you to pray for someone or you just kind of had this encounter with somebody and you said, well, can I, can I pray for you? And they were like, oh, sure, honey, because they thought that you meant later. You guys know what I'm talking about? But then you're just like, and they're like, why are you touching me? Oh, you meant right now, right here? Oh, and they're like super uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, I like that. I like making people uncomfortable. But it's biblical. And so when they ask, you can say, it's in the Bible, read it. Uh, it's biblical to lay hands. Now, in the Old Testament, it was done whenever they would transfer sin and shame and guilt. They would transfer it to the animal, right? Remember that? They were transferring it to the animal, and we see that. We, we see it in other places as, as well. But that was what really kind of, like, stood out to me is in the Old Testament, it would be a transfer of shame and guilt. And now it's for... Um, healing, it's for blessing, it's for ordination and um, calling people into place, it's for um, sp spiritual gifts, like yeah, mantle imparting. of spiritual giftings, imparting spiritual giftings. We, because of what Jesus did, we see this complete different act of laying on hands. And so it was important that the, the church chose it, they approved it, and now they're laying hands on the deacons and commissioning them. And which was a lot like Whenever Jason and I were ordained, Tim and Melissa laid hands and commissioned us. And that's what we hope to do. We want to have elders. We, we want to have, we want to see that in our church because it's biblical and it's 
what it's how they set it up it's what they did in the early church and so that's what we would do as well just following scripture understanding everything that we're believe everything we believe everything we're doing we want to have this place so that you guys can say when people are like why do you do it like that well because it says that in the scripture why do you do it the way you do oh it's not in scripture whoops so we're just being biblical guys okay last little bit yeah yeah Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also, how much more meaningful is it to someone when you stop and you pray for them? And whether we see it happen right then or not, but how much more impactful and intimate is it to say, look, I want to take the time, and I really mean that I want to pray for you. I don't want to do this, like, Christian talk of, of, oh, honey, bless you, I'll pray for you, because you know you're never going to. Like, don't ever hear me. Like, I don't ever say that. Don't ever. Oh, gosh. I say that, and you guys take everything. It, it does. It, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. No, you ain't. Right. Yeah. But we're used to that. We see people do it. How often, how easy is it to say, oh, I'll pray for you, because it seems like the very Christian thing to say. Yeah. And I've totally been guilty of it. So I'm not, I'm not perfect in it either. I mean, like, it's what needed to be said, and then I moved on, and I didn't do it. But I really, really try not to. And so even if that looks like after I type it, Lord, and it doesn't have to be this 14-minute prayer, right? Like, Lord, you know what she needs, God. Thank you for her healing her. Move on. Um, I just feel like it's just kind of breaking outside of that box, that culture of what church has always done. And it's funny because we were talking in a women's group about prayer lists or prayer chains that I hate. And I think it's partly because, well, I know it's because, when, when we were first married, we were part of a church that had a bulletin. Do you guys miss bulletins? Sorry, I ain't got time for that. Um, <laughs> unless we raise up to deacons to do administration. No, we're not doing bulletins. Um, and on the back of the bulletin, it, was ha it would have everybody that needed prayer, but it was actually just a gossip list. And the day that I saw my name on it, I was like, why is my name on there? I don't remember. I have no idea what it was for, but I was really offended. And like, so now everybody knows whatever this issue is because they're not praying. They're looking at it and they're judging you, you know? And um, it was just very much this, I, it was just this idea that I don't want any part of. But then Angelica kind of checked my heart. And what did you say, Angelica, when you were like, why don't you like prayer chains? Right, right. Right. Is any and they're like, oh, Su Susie died. <laughs> yeah. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it did. It checked my heart when you told me that day. And I was like, oh, so they're actually, and I, you know what? Absolutely. There's people that pray over them. And so that is beautiful. And that like the heart of your grandma, that she would wake up at 4 a.m. to pray over those people. That's the church. That's what God had in mind for for praying for people and praying over people. She that was probably impossible for grandma to go and lay hands on every one of those. But her heart and and the Lord didn't hear not listen to her like he didn't listen less because she didn't go lay hands. And so that that is beautiful. I still don't want to do prayer chains, but I love a person that will actually pray for people. And I don't care if it's a list. Like list them out. Absolutely. Like I don't want to forget anybody. And um, a lot of times like in women's group we'll kind of talk about who needs prayer and we'll like give it to somebody, you know, like Angelica, you get case today, you get this person, you get this person, and we actually pray for those people. Um, I heard case said a new word. No. Yeah, what was that? <laughs> the one in the video. Hey, you can't say any other day, not say <laughs> I mean, trendsetter, a leader. I mean, like, it's gonna be a great story. Chant it, even chanting it. But if you don't know, I mean, we've been praying for Chase for what over a year now, yeah. or Case. I'm sorry. Yeah, and and he's starting to say several words. Yeah. <laughs> right. Should we clarify that? <laughs> yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, yes. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Whatever. Every kid says a cuss word, and we all think it's cute the first time they do it. Like, right. Right. It's age appropriate. Right. That's so funny. I didn't even think about that. Age appropriate. Oh. <laughs> There's that now. Yep. Yep. That's true. And she's lear- she knows how to read. So right. She can yeah. So what did you say? What did you say to it's her? People, have, people make mistakes. Yep. People make mistakes. I think it's yeah. beautiful. Like, yeah. the thing is, is Ellie's not going to remember a lot of your guys' past. You know, like she, it's just going to be stories or testimonies of what God freed you from, and so you can be like, nope, he really did. You know, so. <laughs> oh man. You're gonna. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. I like it. Oh, no. We don't like that. We don't like that. You change it to bless you instead of. Bless. <laughs> 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 That's great. Yeah. It's okay. It's fun. All right. And uh, seven, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. So understand what happened here is the church recognized a problem. Okay, that they were it was brought to their attention. It was recognized. They put people in place and oh, did I skip? I think I skipped. I don't think that this took on a lot of my Yeah, I did. Um, um, It took. Sorry, guys, hold on. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. Let me go back real quick to five. And it says, and what they said, pleased the whole gathering and they chose Stephen 
a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicanor, and Timon, and Paramenus, and Nicholas, and a proselyte from Antioch, which just means he was a transplant from Antioch. And there they set before the apostles, and they prayed and laid hands on them, and the word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied. So I want you to see here, all of those names that I butchered and, and rattled off, all of those are Greek names. So that tells us that everyone that they, they raised up to the, the call of a deacon was actually a Hellenist. And so it was them saying, listen, I see that you have a problem. We honor that. We see it. Pick some people. Pick some people among, um, among this group and raise, let's raise them up. Let's put them in place of honor. We're sorry that that happened. Um, we see it. And so they put them in place. And now that we seen we found this problem and we found a solution but i really real quick want to talk about what they didn't do okay and then i'm almost done they did not probably go and tell all of their friends how upset they were with the church they did not post about their church on facebook about how disappointed that they didn't take care of their widows they didn't decide that all of a sudden they were offended and that they needed to leave the church and go to another one and then go talk bad about that church because, you know, th they wanted them to be offended too. They also did not just say, I'm done with church, I don't want anything to do with it, and I'm never going back again. All the things that they did not do that we see very common in the Western culture. And I'm not saying this because it's happened. Like, I'm not saying I'm not calling anybody out, not saying anything like that. I'm just saying we're recognizing what it happens when offense happens in the church, what we're supposed to do versus what the Western culture actually does. Any comments on that? Mm -mm. It is, and we take this offense, we, we take on offense as our own, and we, we hold on, Justin, I saw you, we, we get fed by getting other people on our side. It's the craziest thing, isn't it? Like, we're offended, and so we want now you to be offended, and then what happens, though, is we go and we talk to whoever it was that we had the offense with, and we're good now. Like, we're besties, we're hanging out, we're posting pictures on Facebook. Now my other friend, though, that was offended for me is now offended that we're hanging out. And it's just this constant thing that we do in our society. And, and I'm wanting to kind of like break that, break that down and say, guys, this is not who we were. This is not who we are. What are we going to say, Justin? Yes. Right, right. Yep, yep. We no longer see people in the flesh, but we see them in spirit. Yeah, yeah.
understandable. And we do. Like, yeah. Yes. Right. 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 Or the person. Yeah. Yeah. Or also, uh, maybe this is just women, but give it a day. Like, settle down. You know, like, get a snack and settle down. And yes. Yeah. It's being led by emotions. Yes. Right. Or it is an actual problem, so what can we do? How can we fix this now uh, versus just now we're not in a relationship anymore? Like, listen, family doesn't get to just step outside of family. Like, you're family. Like, you, you put the work in. It's one of the hardest relationships. It shouldn't be, but just like husband and wife, it's the hardest relationship I've ever had to maintain, although he really makes it easy. It's me. It's usually me. But um, we do. Like, it's the relationship I have to work on the most. And we always like to say, we said to the youth group, it's um, throne before phone. Like, go to the Lord first, and it will change your life. Yeah. So then the last, so just working in one body, one accord, um, with an offense, with the division that the enemy tried to, he tried to plant this division not only in them not being taken care of, but then also tried to plant the division by saying, well, now we're going to make the apostles too busy for um, what, what I've called them to do. But what I wrote down here was these men were chosen to do common things, but they were found doing uncommon things, working signs, wonders, and miracles. So what we might call common, God calls uncommon. Yeah. Okay. You want to share what you're going to share in Romans? I'll turn to Romans 3.27. You want to give the mic to somebody so they can read it? Who wants to read it? Who would like to read that? Yay, Dakota, thanks. Can we boast then that we have done anything to be accepted by God? No, because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It is based on faith. You want me to do 28? No. The, the law of love, I mean, what basically everything we just went through, the law of love, one ground, it took ground in that moment from the, <coughs> from the driven law of performance. You know, Paul is observing that now, later, after the church. I mean, this is Paul came into the picture later in Acts. We're almost there. Yeah. But when he's addressing Corinth, he's bringing it all to fruition right here. The law of faith cancels the law of works, which means there's suddenly nothing left for anyone to boast about. No one is superior to another. While we compete with one another and compare ourselves with one another, we are without understanding. And then I've, I got on here 2 Corinthians 10, 12. 
Through the righteousness of God, we have received a faith of equal standing. The operating system of the law of works is willpower. The operating system of the law of faith is love. Love sets faith in motion. The love presented one with choices. Grace awakens belief. Willpower exhausts. Love ignites. If choices could save us, we would be our own saviors. Willpower is the language of the law. Love is the language of grace. And it ignites faith that leads to romance. Falling in love beats making a decision to believe in love. Romans 7.19 says, Willpower has failed me. This is how embarrassing it is. The most diligent decision that I make to do good disappoints. Love is the language of grace. So Father, we thank you for revealing your word to us. We love you. We adore you. We honor you. We worship you. We praise you. We yield our hearts to you in thanksgiving, God. We praise you and give you adoration. We lay ourselves down and begin to see, begin to see ourselves as you see us. We begin to see ourselves in the word as in like we're looking into a mirror. Thank you, Lord, for revealing yourself to us in greater ways. We thank you for the hidden treasures that you continue to reveal to us. We love you. We're so thankful for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to the Lyric House Church podcast. We hope this message blessed you and we encourage you to share with your family and friends. Remember, the gospel is good news and good news is worth sharing. If you want to get involved or see what's happening next, make sure to follow us on social media. Until next week, we love you and God bless.